Why are we doing this? Well, I think it's important that we watch what Roger Ebert called the best Sandler movie to date. He what? You make the Lord very nervous. All right. You be- I'm burning now. Take it easy. Help bar is burning, man. No, is that real? <laughs> yes. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Happy Amblin. Uh, that was a genuine reaction. I actually did not know Roger Ebert said that. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. Uh, with me today is my co-host, Matt Garingo. That's me. We're, we're going over the works of Steven Spielberg and Adam Sandler. On today's episode, we're going over an Adam Sandler forgotten classic? Question mark? Question mark? Little Nicky. Little Nicky, yay! Little Nicky, the, the 2000... American fantasy comedy film directed by Stephen Brill. It stars Adam Sandler as Nicky Shear, one of Satan's three sons, as he attempts to save his father and prevent his brothers from taking over planet Earth. Uh, the film was a financial failure and received <laughs> negative reviews from critics. There you go. That's that's what happened. <laughs> that's the movie. This movie um, so- somehow cost $85 million to make. Okay, you know what? I actually, there's a lot of like production design. It's there not is, good, but there's a lot of production design with the fantasy elements. It is it. shocking that they clearly built like this whole hell set, and then like they barely use it. Yeah, like, yeah, I was actually very impressed by that because I, I, I don't think I've seen Little Nicky in like a long time. Here's something that I haven't watched Little Nicky since I think it came out, and it was kind of one that like it came out and was kind of forgotten, like. It was never really embraced by Sandler fans. It's kind of forgotten. And it is like the biggest bomb of his career. Not not necessarily critically, but um, financially. And it's the it's the second film produced by the Happy Madison Company. Um, the first one being Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. Oh. Which is another, in, another incredibly strange film. Uh, that But does not star Adam Sandler. And this movie was such a bomb that I, I think it kind of soured his relations um, with uh, Robert Simmons, who has been producing all of Sandler's movies up to this point. Because this is the last Sandler movie I think he produces. Um, yeah, and it was like this thing where he took Sandler took this big gamble where he's like, I'm going to pre- finance my own movies and the movies of all my friends. And Deuce Beagle is a big hit, but then Lil Nicky's a big bomb. And I, you know, the... It's been talked about very negatively over um, the last couple of years. I think most, but although mostly forgotten, um, I kind of remembered it of as being the worst Sandler film of that era, of this early era. Um, Mike J. Nelson of Mystery Science Theater um, declared it the worst comedy of all time, and I, I so I haven't watched it, and I kind of remember not liking it. And I watched it recently, and I kind of liked it. <laughs> what the fuck? I didn't... Like, these are... Okay. What? <laughs> All right, look. Again, remember, this is the Sandler scale. Like, it's <laughs> oh not... God. I'm not, like, saying it's in competition with... I, I went into this expecting this to be an excruciating experience. And I didn't get that. So I think that's why I'm responding more positively to it. And there were a couple things that made me laugh. 
that I didn't expect. And I don't know. This, this movie swings for the fences a little bit in a way that Sandler... It takes chances in a way Sandler films never did and I don't think ever do after this. Here, You know what? I will say that. That's my positive on this film too. Like, it's... It's a big movie, not just with the cast, um, which we'll get to, but like, like again, like the production design and like the the sets and stuff, like it's very impressive. Uh, I don't even know if it's like good. Even I'm, there's probably like things you could like tighten up here and there, but like just the fact that this is like an American studio comedy and it's like the the, the production is clearly like all on screen. You know, like yeah. you see like every penny going. To, to making this work. Although still um, looks incredibly it, cheap at times. <laughs> oh, no, 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 totally. Uh, and I'm, I'm honestly not even, like, against that, like, for an Adam Sandler film. Yeah. But just, like, seeing it go there was like, oh, wow, I didn't know they did that. <laughs> Especially Happy Madison. Yeah. That being said, this this is, like, the most excruciating film I remember watching in recent memory. No, this, you did uh, not enjoy this. this I, 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 I hated this one. Okay. This, this was rough. No, I This I, was really rough. I'm so sorry. I can I can kind of get it. Um I think the main problem like not to jump ahead, but the main problem is 5 minutes in, um less than 5 minutes in, Adam Sandler starts talking. Oh boy, is yeah. <laughs> that's And you're like, "Oh, that's the voice he's going to do the whole movie." <laughs> Should I imitate that? Is that is that wrong of me to imitate that? Because I, I don't know if that's like... Well, the, here's the thing. He talks... Is ableist? I, I'm not trying to like... Yeah, he talks the way he does because he was hitting that face with a shovel. And although we don't see that, we're just told that. But the way he performs it is like he's a, a mentally impaired man who also had a stroke. Yeah. Like, so it's just like weird... <laughs> And awkward. So I, I, oh, it's so yeah. awkward and like bizarre, but not in like a funny way. Just I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I can't, I cannot firmly grasp what is happening with his performance here. I just can't imagine I don't that. Know. Like that's like something I can imagine. Like if you're like writing it and you're writing it with your buddy Tim Hurley, who has written like so many of these movies so far. Um, you're writing it with him and you're, you know, you're doing jokes back and forth. You'd be like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if he, he got hit in the face with a shovel and he talks like fucked up the whole movie. And maybe like when you're in the room with your buddy, you're like, oh yeah, that's funny. And then when you start filming, you're like, oh no, maybe we shouldn't do this. <laughs> Which is not what happened. No, no, they, they Although, definitely do it. You, it that's what, what's crazy is, like, Sandler totally commits to it. Like, he does not... There's this... What's the, there's a movie... Um, I gotta look up the title. I think it's called Clifford. Have you ever heard of Clifford? Not Clifford the Big Red Dog. I was gonna say, yeah. Um, no, I have not heard of that. Clifford, Clifford um, starring Martin Short, I believe. Yeah, it was Martin Short. Um... And Martin Short, in real life, is an adult man, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, Martin Short in this film plays a child, like a ten-year-old child, 
And it's just him, and, like, he, you know, he's on his knees, like, and he's short in every scene, right? Mm-hmm. And someone thought this would work as a movie. <laughs> it does not. And not to dunk on Martin Short, but I've seen the movie, and there's, like, kind of a moment in it where you feel like even he doesn't believe in what he's doing. <laughs> Aww. And, you know, and maybe just, like, after a while, it was like, oh, this isn't working. Um, but Sandler never had that happen in this. He's totally there. No, oh, yeah, I, I, I guess, like, that's a positive in its own way, you know? Well, I, I think it's important we talk about Sandler the performer. <laughs> I mean... No, no, I, I, I do, too. He He commits 100%. I've said it a million times, too. Um, like that's, I think that's the mark of a great comedian and a great actor, not across the board, but a great comedian can be a great actor because they have to commit to often the most ridiculous bullshit ever. And this is one of those circumstances. Would you say there's a bad performance? Would you say not maybe like maybe there's a lot of misjudged performances Uh, in this, but would you say there is a bad performance in this movie? Um, I've got one. I've got I've got like at least genuinely one. Genuinely bad. I mean, everything just so doesn't work for me. But I don't know if anyone in particular uh-huh. is wrong for the vibe of the movie that and en- it ends up being. You know. But like everyone in this is so committed, it's kind of great. Yeah, like Harvey Keitel as Satan is like like that works. Whereas someone like although Hart that he was gonna be he was gonna be my one pick though. Really? Because he kind of feels like he doesn't know what's going on. You know what it kind of reminds me of? Uh, I just went to my first rowdy screening at the Alamo Draft House for Cats. No. When Ian McKellen is on the screen and he's just delivering this incredible performance, right? Like tear-inducing. Someone from the back of the theater goes, You're classing up the movie! <laughs> like, did they, that's did kind he, of what it felt like to me. Did he bring the audience to tears? It got like silent and not in like a not in a bad way, but not in like a funny like laugh at it way. It was like everyone got into it for a second. Yeah. Because he's really good. <laughs> like he's just that good. That's like the one moment of cats where it's like genuinely fun for a minute cuz it's like him and then they go like right in the skimble shanks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that ending has so much energy. Oh yeah, well, he explodes. <laughs> <laughs> My audience cheered, but but anyway, Harvey Keitel, really, he he was the one for you. That's interesting. Yeah, but I I don't even think like it's weird where it's like, I don't know if it was a choice or not. That's the thing, like because Harvey Keitel is the guy who I feel like could make a choice like that. <laughs> but either way, like I liked what he was doing. I just felt like he also didn't know what was going on. I believe that he doesn't know what was going on. I just think he was like pretty good, like. Maybe, and I'm a fan of this actor. He keeps appearing in retrospectives for movies I dislike a lot. But Rice Ifans, if I'm oh yeah, yeah, uh, I don't know how to say his name either. Amazing, yeah, no one knows, but it's provocative. Uh, but the lizard from the Amazing Spider-Man, he he's like a really talented actor, but he keeps giving these weird, miscalculated performances. And I can tell it's clearly, like, either the direction or, like, the, the writing of the characters. I think you can kind of feel his contempt for being in this movie. <laughs> like, the hatred behind his eyes. Yeah. 
Because, like, Tiny Lister, as the other brother, like, seems to really love it. He, like, oh, really yeah. commits. Oh, he's great. And is having a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, uh, Adrian is, he kind of seems, like, angry, but it kind of works because, like, he's the angry, like, chip on his so- shoulder brother, you know? Yeah. Where he's yeah. like, I'm above, he, like, his character is supposed to be above all this, and you feel like the actor feels like he's above all this. Oh, yeah, it's great. Like, honestly, I feel like he needs to be, because Aaron Sorkin's directing movies now for some reason, I think he should be in an Aaron Sorkin film. He'd be perfect. Maybe, yeah. He would get, like, an Oscar nomination, but that that's a whole other thing for, for me, not to get there. All right, the other two bad performances in this are uh, Bill Walton and Dan Marino, <laughs> who show up as themselves. Aww. Um, which, you know, can't, I'm not, they're not actors, so. Yeah, yeah. I can't really be mad at them. But... Uh, no, Bill Bill Walton, like, he, he gets some lines that are supposed to be like, wasn't that so funny? But it's like, it's, it's, it's not. Yeah, he, he's somewhere it's like he does, it feels like he doesn't know what the, what a film camera is. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's how he perform, like, he acts in the movie. Yeah. Is that, is, are we making one of those, uh, motion pictures? Yeah. Well, it feels, I think every scene he's in, he's looking directly into the camera, which is like a little awkward, but that's what he does as his job. Yeah. So it almost feels like they showed up on set and, like, they couldn't get him not to look in the camera. I, I would believe that. Yeah, you know. I like how Dan Marino comes in, though, as, like, someone trying to sell his soul to the devil. And and Harvey Guy tells Satan, is like, oh, no, you're too much of a good guy. I can't do it. Like, <laughs> which is like, oh, yeah, that's something Satan would do. Uh, what a um. weird... Weird. Dan no. Marino also had a cameo in uh, Waffle Press favorite Bad Boys Two. Oh hey, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he's, uh, he's trying to buy a car, and then he's like, "No problem, officers." And then later, in like the most insane car chase in cinematic car chase in cinematic history, as like cadavers are being tossed onto windshields, oh, Will yeah. Smith snidely says, "Man, Dan Marino better buy the shit out of this car." <laughs> and then they run over a corpse. I, that's like the one scene I remember from that movie. Oh yeah, it's horrifying. <laughs> to get back into uh, Little Nicky, um, I almost want someone to remake this movie completely straight. <laughs> like I feel like that would be an interesting film. Would it though? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I don't know about that. This movie's King Lear, except it's an Adam Sandler film. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you want to get into it? Like, no, but let's do it. Um, this is the first film that Sandler does with uh, Stephen Brill. First time Stephen Brill um, directs a Sandler movie. Um, he will direct, like, Mr. Deeds next. So we'll talk about him again soon. But the film he did before this, do you know mm-hmm. the film Heavyweights? I do not. Oh my god, you don't know Heavyweights? <laughs> I don't know heavyweights. Should I know uh, heavyweights? I don't know. Because I seem to be the... I don't see a lot of people talking about heavyweights. Did and, you like it more than Little Nicky? Um, yeah. But I don't know... kind if, of an odd yeah, so I don't know if I'm going to check it out. Well, because let me tell you the setup of uh, heavyweights. Um, okay. it's a, It's a comedy film in the style of, like, Mighty Ducks set at a fat camp. For fat kids. So there's a lot of jokes about these kids are fat. 
I'm probably not gonna watch this. No, it's so, it's very funny. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I I think I'm alone in this. Um, it was written by Judd Apatow. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the first thing he wrote and the joke it, oh my right. god is that the movie that started his career um it might have been I don't know holy fuck but uh let's let me check real quick looks like it's the first thing he wrote Other than, oh he worked on the Ben Stiller show because Ben Stiller is in um is in heavyweights because the joke of the movie okay, is that okay. this kid's going to fat camp he thinks it's like because his family's like wants him to lose weight so he's like all depressed but then he gets there and it's like no, no, this camp's actually more about, like, positivity. Like, we're just, we're, we don't care if you're fat. And we're just here, we're gonna have a good time, you're gonna hang out with other fat kids. It's like, you're gonna, we're gonna pretend you're losing weight, but everyone's kind of in on the fact that you're sneaking in junk food. But then it turns out that the camp has been bought by fitness guru Ben Stiller. <laughs> And Ben Stiller is like, I'm going to make a name for myself off of, I'm going to like launch my new fitness program by making all these kids thin. So like he starts like kind of abusing the kids, like putting oh, them no. through like horrible like regiments to like lose weight. And he's like destroying all the like fun shit and like confiscating the candy. And I think one kid like it's like, like, like they make a kid disappear at one point. <laughs> It's an incredibly odd film. Well, it doesn't sound like normal, but to be fair, neither does Little Nicky. Well, that's the thing. here's the thing. When I describe that plot, it's like, it sounds like you know what the joke is going to be, right? You know? Mm-hmm. Like, you know what, oh, fat camp comedy film. Like, oh, that there's only, like, one thing that could be. But it's not. Like, it, it really goes in some interesting directions. I recommend it. Everyone should go watch Heavyweights and tell me if I'm insane or not. I don't know. Uh, I'll I think, just tell you that to your face without watching the movie. Yeah, yeah but, like, I don't know if, you know, uh, like, I feel like that's, like, a movie that it, it's, like, should be a cult classic. But I don't know. I could be insane. I am the I am the person here who will be defending Little Nicky tonight. Yeah. Um, so you want to talk about the opening scene of this movie? We were introduced to... Fan favorite uh, Dana, Car- I mean John John Lovitz. Excuse John me. Lovitz. Dana, Dana Carvey's Car- later. Dana Carvey's later. That, which was a surprise. Uh, John Lovitz, who is only credited in this film as the peeper, and he he's peeping in on a on a single mother uh, getting undressed. And uh, Matt had told me that that was someone who I did not remember. So, um, I don't know. I'm not, I might fuck up pronouncing the name. It's uh, Laura Haring or Herring. Name doesn't ring a bell. Um, fucking Rita from Mulholland Drive. Holy fuck! (laughs) Oh my god! This is the year before Mulholland Drive. Oh no! (laughs) Let me tell you some other fun, some other fun facts about her. She was the first. Um, Hispanic woman crowned Miss USA. Yay! In, in the nineties, and in nineteen eighty-seven, she married mm-hmm. the great-great-grandson of Otto von Bismarck. <laughs> <laughs> and they divorced, but she kept the title of Countess. Wow. 
So um, a lot. So lot. I just I'm I'm looking up the name really quick. So her full name is Laura Alina Countess von Bismarck Schönhausen. <laughs> yeah, I was not gonna try to pronounce that. Um, or commonly known as Laura Harry. <laughs> <laughs> This has nothing to do with little Nikki. Yes, no, it doesn't. But I had to throw in that she's that she married the great great grandson of Otto von Bismarck. The moment I read that, oh, you know, just fun facts on another episode of the retrospective. I was just surprised. I was just like, because I was looking at the Wikipedia page, and I was surprised to see like her listed among the cast. So I was like, did she ever... I was like, oh, I hope this woman, like, did more than Little Nikki." And then I was like, holy shit, it's her. Yeah, no, she never has to work again. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, holy fuck. That's, yeah. That was funny. Uh, funnier than this film. And, <laughs> and uh, John Lovitz... Well, no, this this is actually kind of funny. Yeah, no, this John is a Lovitz, great opening. He's a peeper. Well, no, it's, it's, it's gross, but, like, it's funny, the result of it, where John Lovitz as the peeper... Uh, gets caught when he's calling the son who yeah, which is, on the house phone. Let's think of this plan. Like, <laughs> when you were a child, how often did you answer the phone? Not often. Especially, My parents were very strict when I was growing up. Yeah, especially when your parent is in the same room as you. Like, you would kind of just assume yeah. that your, your parent would pick up the phone. <laughs> but this kid picks it up and he's like, Hey, kid, why don't you let your mom get down to business? <laughs> like, even, like, laughs at the kid. Like, he, like, this is a funny thing where it's like, you know, in real life, a fucking, like, peeper is, like, a very sick person in a way. <laughs> like, Yeah, you know, yeah, you're, you're fucked up if you do that. Yeah, and it's like, they on some level, they have shame, you know? Mm-hmm. And it would be, like, a really creepy scene. But he's, like, literally, like, sitting in a tree. He's brought, like, drinks with him. Yeah, no, it's it's a cartoon opening. Yeah, and he's I thought like, it was setting up a different movie than what we got. He's like, oh, baby, huh? let's see what you're doing tonight. Like, it's so... No, honestly, it's, it, it's a lot like a lot of Adult Swim stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. That's what it is. reminded me of. Um, and he tries, when he gets caught, he tries to pretend he's a giant bird. And then, uh, does the kid hit him with something and he falls out of a tree? Yeah, no, this, this is what made me laugh. Um, the mom opens the window and she's like, what are you doing? And she's way too calm for what she is just discovering. Yeah. Uh, a grown man sitting in a tree with, with food and beverages. Yeah, but I think, I think, honestly, if I saw that, it would take me a couple minutes to be like, is, oh, is he peeping? Like, it would be like... No, okay, but, like, we're not dealing with reality by this point. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> you know, I guess. Uh, and then the son gets his uh, slingshot out, nails the John Lovitz in the face, he falls backwards, and then we cut to him falling through the pits to hell. Because he died. And so it's... Because he died. Because that child murdered we, him. Cause, yeah, because the child killed him. Murder. That's what... That that was hilarious. When I realized what had just happened, I was like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "Oh, maybe I'll enjoy this." Uh, that would not be the case. And then he ends uh, up in hell and starts getting molested by a giant horny bird. Yeah, because that's what he was saying. He was. Yeah, I get that, it. Yeah. Did you yeah. notice though? All right. Did you notice the music cue when um, the horny bird started humping him? And it happens. No, but I I noticed a separate one. I'll bring up in a minute. 
Well, they start playing um, Ladies' Night by Cool and the Gang. Wow. Which is the song John Lovitz performs in The Wedding, wedding Singer when he's uh, wow. Jimmy Moore. So I think they're implying that he's supposed to be Jimmy Moore from The Wedding Singer. Wow. Because this movie, we'll see, like, Rob Schneider shows up as the townie from Waterboy, and Carl Weathers shows up as Chubbs from Happy Gilmore. <laughs> yep. And they, so it seems to be like he was trying to do something where it was like, all right, I'm making my first movie at my own studio. I'm going to bring, like, all these... It's a shared universe. It's the original Avengers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the comedy Avengers. And, um, yeah, John Lovitz, Carl Weathers, and Rob <laughs> Schneider. <laughs> I mean, that's basically Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor. Can you imagine, like, we wind the clock, like, John Lovitz as Tony Stark? <laughs> hey, Peppa, you bringing me any bazingas? Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> ooh, like, he always does, like, John Lovitz always talks about, he's like, oh, ooh, like, yeah. <laughs> he played that one liar just... character and like that's been his whole shtick. <laughs> oh my god. I kinda love John Lovitz, even though he's like supposedly like an asshole, but Yeah, but like I mean I, I kinda love the occasional asshole too, so I mean, Yeah. Whatever. Um... A lot of people are assholes. Yeah. Just don't know about them. Yeah, I guess that's that's the case. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, he's not the problem. The problem is just the movie. Yeah. Well, then... uh, but no, I did not recognize that music cue. <laughs> I did, however, recognize something that happens later when we are introduced to uh, Satan and his three sons, Adrian, Cassius, and, of course, little Nicky. Well, I, I missed that. What happened there? Uh, okay, so we're, we're introduced Harvey Keitel. Satan is like, you know, I've been running this gig for 10,000 years. It's time for someone else to take up the mantle. And I've decided that I have to do it for another 10,000 years because I do not think any of you have the best interest or are prepared for this job yet. You can't handle, he specifically says you can't handle the responsibility of keeping the balance of good and evil. And that was actually an interesting line to me. I was like, oh, this is, there's like some nuance there. It's not just... (laughs) It, it, it's not drawing a line between black and white. It's like, oh, no, there's a balance that has to be maintained, like, in the force of all living things. And I was yeah. like, holy shit, that's, like, a loaded line of dialogue that the movie, of course, does not actually uh, spend time exploring. But I was like, wow. Well, for, like, half a <laughs> second, be... this setup is King Lear. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's the it was three... potential. The three sons... Two of them are, like, conniving, and the one, like, loves the father too much, and, like, because of that, like, the father ends up turning on him, blah, blah, blah. That's all that fun stuff, but then instead it's like, what if King Lear was like, actually, I'm going to stay being King Lear, because <laughs> I can do that. Yeah, and so the two sons, um, Tommy, Tiny, Lister Jr., Oh, wait, Cassius, wait, wait, and... wait. We got, um, we have to talk about how that, um, scene ends. I no 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 I'm I'm gonna get to it I'm I'm gonna get to it okay. well, that, that is the music cue I'm gonna bring up right now okay but don't um don't go to what the sons do yet because that happens later okay I'm just gonna say that, that the two sons played by Tommy Tiny Lister Jr. as Cassius and Rice Ifans Ifans as Adrian uh, vehemently disagree with their father's decision and Adam Sandler is just uh, happy he doesn't have to do anything that's actually a, that's actually a pretty funny moment where he's like. 
like Adam Sandler's like, oh, thank you, and then he's like, this sucks, like, when he realizes everyone's <laughs> looking at him. <laughs> okay, that, that was a moment for sure, and um, uh, was, did I fuck this up? Mm. If I'm remembering correctly, who is Harvey Keitel's assistant who notifies him that he has to shove a pineapple up Hitler's asshole? Um, I believe, uh, let me check. That was, uh, Blake Clark, who was, uh, the guy from The Waterboy. Okay, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, who was, that? That, was, that was kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, so he has to shove yeah, the pineapple ends... up Hitler's asshole at 4 p.m. <laughs> yeah, the scene ends and as that... all great scenes do, <laughs> by shoving a pineapple up Hitler's ass. Uh, and Hitler is, of course, wearing a French maid outfit because I guess that's funny. Uh, but the music cue there, I had to—I I didn't check this. I, I should have. I'll check it right now. I'm like 99% sure the music cue with that little like light ukulele thing—that's mm-hmm. a SpongeBob music cue. Really? I'm pretty sure. Huh? That's uh. Wow. Was SpongeBob big then? Uh, SpongeBob was was around then. I think SpongeBob started like ninety eight, ninety nine. So yeah, it tracks. Yeah. At the very least, it it's very similar. Well. So that yeah. So with the um, that, that that was like starting to toss me already, and this movie tosses me several different directions. All right. How do you feel about a pineapple getting shoved up Hitler's ass? Um. If you could go back in time, would you shove a pineapple up Hitler's ass? Uh, probably, but I would do it like... Actually, no. I, I do I like... Kill, I, I, I would do, kill baby Hitler. Yeah, I do like that scene, though, where it was like... he like they they like, alright, you pick one, Hitler. And Hitler picks the tiny one, and Satan's like, come on now. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's so odd. What an odd thing to throw in this movie. Like, because you don't need that, that. That's not even the weirdest, though. I know. It keeps getting weirder. <laughs> um, so right after that, um, Adrian and Cassius decide that, fuck this, we're not going to... Our, our father's a hypocrite. <laughs> we're not going to serve under him. We're going to go up. We're going to rule. We're going to make hell on Earth, and we're going to rule on Earth. And so they leave, and in leaving, hell freezes over, and the portal, uh-huh. portal to hell closes. No more souls can get in, and that's the ticking clock element of this movie. It's just it's a fine setup. It's yeah. it's just not like well, it's not like the... no point in the movie where I found a way in. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I for some reason I was like. I was just kind of having fun with it. It was like, I guess, like, the hell sets were kind of fun. It does kind of, like, start to drag once you get to New York City, which is most of the movie. Yeah, yeah. But, again, I, I did like <coughs> the, the the sets. Again, I don't know how, like, quote-unquote good they actually are, you know? Like, if this was, like, a more serious film. But um, I admired the length they went for the sets, you know? This is when we get another. Like I, I was impressed by that. This when we get it's this movie's so fucking weird because then, um, Kevin Nealon comes in, and he was the guard who like didn't stop uh, the two sons, and his punishment 
um, Satan puts tits on his head. And now he's, he's referred to as Tithead for the rest of the film. And uh, he keeps coming back. <laughs> like, they, they, they're like, this is, people are gonna love this. <laughs> and they just keep bringing it back. And a big element is that uh, then Rodney Dangerfield comes into the movie. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield is the original Lucifer. So Rodney Dangerfield's Lucifer, Harvey Keitel's Satan. And Rodney Dangerfield's like, hey, I'm gonna go fuck Tithead. <laughs> That's the kind of move you're in for, folks. These are things that, like, happen in, like, rapid succession. Like... <laughs> And, like, you know, it was just kind of, like, off-putting by the end, or by by this point for me, because <laughs> I was just, like, I, I could not, like, get into any of it. So it really was just, like, a loud, obnoxious, like, teenager kind of, like, repeating jokes at me, and me just, like, not enjoying any of it. And then we'll, we'll get to it, but, like, by the end, I just can't even keep up with it, and there's almost, like, a level of enjoyability I get there. Okay. Because, like, wow. <laughs> it's, uh, I don't know. It's, I don't know why. I think, again, I think really what happened was I went into this with such low expectations that, and, and knowing that it bombed, which I don't think I knew for a while. And then, like, so I started laughing at it where I was like, oh, how did they think this was going to work? Like, this is Adam Sandler at, like, his most overconfident, that he thinks he can sell all these things, you know? Oh, no, totally, and yeah. But I started, like, enjoying it for that reason. No, so... I mean, that that's that's kind of a... I think the only way someone could enjoy this. Possibly. I mean, I'm talking about, like, where I say, like, I, I enjoyed it. I don't think I will ever really watch this again. Yeah, but, like, you're, you're kind of entertained by the fact that it exists in some form yeah is that fair to say you know well it's that thing where it's like when you watch a movie the the, you really shouldn't ever say like a movie shouldn't exist you know like that's like the big gun you have to pull out Mm -hmm. and there's very few movies that when i watch them where i'm like i don't think that movie should exist when i watch this so that's like my lowest bar (laughs) i guess and so if like I really hate a movie, it, I I walk away feeling like this movie just has, it either doesn't justify its existence or I actively think it shouldn't exist. And yours is like no, you know this is Adam Sandler's failure. This is the big failure he had in terms of financial because we can't in terms of critical he's never like a major success when he's doing his own work. I mean the critics never liked Adam Sandler's brand of comedy. Yeah. So I can't really judge it there, but so it's all financial. And this is the one that like didn't connect with audiences, but Sandler's always the key creative guy here. Him, it's like his team, he's the one shaping the movie, so it's like this is just the the weirdest he ever really got, which I find fascinating. <laughs> well, it's, it's definitely his most fantastical, at least until yeah. the Hotel Transylvania movies. And those are kind of like, you know, cutesy, kid, clever, fantastical. Yeah. Uh, not not to say whether or not those even work, but, like, that's kind of the the area they're operating in. And, of course, you know, they're, well, like, they're all directed by Gendy Tartakovsky, who's, like, a legendary animator for some reason. Well, then think about, like, how later he starts trying to do the fantasy thing again where he does, like... Does that movie, uh... 
what was it called? Bedtime stories. Remember bedtime stories? I actually have never seen bedtime stories, so that'll well, be a first watch. We're gonna watch it. Me. We're gonna yep. watch it. Um, it's like a fantasy kids film he did, and it 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 failed. And then he did Pixels. Remember Pixels? And that I do remember. That could have been like I think Pixels like had a, a real chance to be like his Ghostbusters, but he's like sleepwalking through that whole movie. Like you feel like he doesn't give a shit. Like, yeah, I guess spoilers for that episode, but that movie could that movie has potential, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that one had real potential. Honest to God potential. Yeah. And uh, it's that feels like yeah. at a moment that feels like like when you start when we start getting to that, we'll we'll talk about it more, but that really feels like the moment where it was like you can feel him being like, I don't want to do these movies. I have movies I want to make. Studios won't let me do it, but Netflix will. So that's why I'm going to jump to Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that might be his, the smartest thing he did because now it's like kind of exciting whenever he's back in theaters. <laughs> well, I mean, I think at this point of recording, Uncut Gems, you know, obviously not a straight comedy, but there's funny moments in it too. Um, mm-hmm. It is much more intense than your average comedy, to say the least. But it is also the most profitable film I think A24 has ever made, which hey. is, like, really cool. Yeah. So. And uh, it's, uh, it's also, like I, them. I will make this point when we get to it, but it's also, it is an Adam Sandler movie. Uncut Gems. Yes. Interesting. It's, it's, it's. More late era Sandler, so I'll uh, we'll get into it the further we go. But it's an it totally is an Adam Sandler movie. It's just what happens if you give an Adam Sandler movie to like actual directors, not to like knock. I'm not. I, I'm trying to be the good cop here, but uh, you know, it's like yeah, I'm sure the Stephen Brill fandom really appreciates that. Yeah. Well, no, I'm I'm more like I don't know. I want to be the nicer guy, even though who knows all these people. Stephen Brill. Uh, wasn't he the guy who remember that movie Fanboys? I do remember Fanboys. Everyone yeah. told me it was really good. Yeah, but that was like a movie where like the production ended up being really fucked up, and then like the Weinstein Company made like them shoot a bunch of scenes. And yeah, Stephen... yeah, he, he Stephen Brill was part of like that production disaster, basically. Yeah, he, he... him and Harvey Weinstein kind of like tag team that one. Yeah, he like took over the project, and then like he got like he like went online and called like fans like losers and shit and like got like really antagonistic with people online which like ended up being a big deal um but like you know i i, I don't know enough about it cuz i'm not like a i i think i watched half of fanboys okay well you're and, not missing out <laughs> yeah that was a movie though it was like one of those things where it was like that was like really hyped in a weird way cuz it was like when's it coming out when's it coming out yeah which I think is why a lot of people, like, really gravitated towards it. And it was also, like, right around that time, you know, Red Letter Media was just hitting off where they were like, episode one, right? Yeah. Yeah, with the the first Plinkett review. And so it was, like, this perfect storm of, like, uh, kind of, like, anti-George Lucas or anti, like, Star Wars prequels, like... But that movie doesn't like... even do that, which is interesting. It's just... It, well, it's 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 about like that, like the possibility beforehand. You know, like I think there's there's this weird line. You, we could probably do an episode. Holy fuck! Point. What? Do you know the writer of Fanboys? If you're on the page, don't look at it. I I do not know. Ernest Klein. 
oh, writer of Ready sense. Player One. It makes so much sense now. Yeah, because that's a movie that's like worshiping consumption. Uh huh. Like, and it's not because that's a movie like has nothing to really say about Star Wars. It's just worshiping that moment where it was like, man, wasn't the build up to Phantom Menace cool? Yeah, and do you know what the director of Fanboys uh, tweeted out? Or he was on a podcast, like one of those very anti-Disney Star Wars podcasts. Ooh. Do you know what he, he was talking about? No. Oh, no. Journalists, like this isn't a direct quote, but this is ultimately what he was saying. And it is out there online. The director of Fanboys, what the fuck is his name? Kyle Newman. And mm-hmm. he was saying like, oh, yeah, like there's like a like a cabal of like journalists, film journalists that – that do have agreements with Disney to give them positive reviews so they can get into like screenings and have like better access. And like, I just, if you believe that Mm. you're a fucking moron, if you think any starving ass journalists have deals with the biggest company conglomerate, like on the planet for better access, I I, I think they would not be known as starving journalists. First of all, but if you believe that, you're a fucking moron, and Kyle Newman is a fucking moron. <laughs> All right, yeah, uh, sure. So, um, I was just a little—I was taken aback. Ernest Klein and Adam F. Goldberg wrote it. Yeah. Um, so I have no uh, positive feelings towards fanboys, and obviously Harvey Weinstein sucks. Yeah. But I do not hate what happened to that. But so. here's something interesting. So, like, think about how this is how much the like our relationship with nerd culture shifted in that time. This will also be something that comes up on Ready Player One, but we're like so far from that fucking movie. Um and yet not far enough. So, like fanboys is like it's kind of a worship of nerd culture in a weird way. Mhm. And I remember like kind of being embraced by like the online film community where it was like really talked about in those circles. To the point where Roger Ebert gave fanboys like one star and like his like whole review was like, how can people waste their lives doing this? <laughs> he like considered it offensive to like worship like fan culture. And he and Roger Ebert got like a ton of shit for it. I remember God I remember bless fucking Roger Ebert. <laughs> yeah. And well, I think it was around the same time he'd also remember when he said like video games can never be art. So oh, it was yeah, like yeah. it was like the one two punch of those things. And then um like so like 6 years after Fanboys is released, uh Kyle Newman produced and helped release um that documentary about the kids who remade Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh yeah, yeah. And I remember when that came out there was, like, this weird thing where, like, if that had come out earlier, it would have been, like, this really cool documentary. But, like, by then, it was, like, everyone online was, like, you know what? There's something kind of fucked up about <laughs> being that obsessed with a movie. <laughs> like, that, like, you watch it, and it's, like, these aren't, you know, on some level, it stops being about these were these are kids making a movie and being, like, these are people trying to, like, be in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. You know, do you remember like, do you remember like the kind of weird like discussion that was going on around it? I, I actually missed that, but like I was, I was never like really looking forward to that either. Yeah. But I could totally, I, I totally see what you're talking about. It, and then like, 
I think that was just like it's weird, but like when Gamergate happened, I think that's like when nerd culture kind of like fucking broke. Like, not that it was ever like great. <laughs> yeah. But that's the moment where it was like, oh, there's no jock nerd dichotomy. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah. That, like, it's just, like, it's, you can't even argue that it exists anymore. <laughs> and, so, and that'll come up, that, uh, this whole, I'll get deeper into that. That's a little preview of something I would like to discuss when we get to Ready Player One. We haven't even gotten to the fact that Rob Smigel is in this film as Mr. Beefy the dog. Oh, yeah, Mr. Beefy, um, um, my favorite character. Yeah, he's fun. Um, Robert Smigel loves voicing dogs. I think he's there's tr- a movie where Eric Roberts and Norm MacDonald are like a pet cat. Like, not the same movie. These are separate films. Oh. They, both, they, they both play a pet cat for some, like, direct-to-video thing. Um, wasn't so, Norm uh, MacDonald in the... I just wanted to bring that up. Wasn't Norm MacDonald the dog in um, Dr. Doolittle? Maybe I think he's also like a vampire dog in one film. Oh my god, I gotta watch. I don't these know movies. why I have all this knowledge of direct-to-video talking animal film. Norm Macdonald was in Claws, the Oscar-nominated film. I've never seen Claws. Um, it was fine. Animation was real <laughs> nice. Animation was real good. Um. But uh, Norm Macdonald's in it, and it's it's weird. Oh, fucking claws! Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking like C L A W S. I was like, oh, what movie's that? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> My bad. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I liked claws. Yeah, it's weird. Was it weird that Norm Macdonald was in that? <laughs> yeah, a little. Is Norm Norm Macdonald better be in those Hotel Transylvania films? Oh God, if he's not, if he's not, that's oh, like he, a fucking. He would be crime. a great Frankenstein. Uh, I know. I know for a fact Kevin James is Frankenstein. I could live with that. You know, I, I yeah. Kevin James. And I know, like David Spade, I think is the Invisible Man, and uh, mm. um, Steve Buscemi's the Wolf Man, and Molly Shannon is the Wolf Woman. I, I like. I like that. I, I like the sound of that. That's that's a good couple casting right there. I, but Norman Macdonald better show up as like someone. Like Dracula's like derelict brother or something. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that would be. I just. I don't know. Norm Macdonald needs to be in things. Honestly, if, Norm Macdonald should have been uh, Hank Pym in Ant Man. Oh my God! Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, right. Sh- I just solved the movie. Um, there's a no there's offense a, to the great Michael Douglas. There's a comedy skit where uh, he's Mister Fantastic. Of the Fantastic oh, wow. Four. And it's a bunch of people... It's just the whole Fantastic Four being like, hey, how come our names are, like, kind of describing what we are, and then you're Mr. Fantastic? <laughs> and that's the whole bit. <laughs> the next couple scenes, it's kind of just a parade of, like, weird things. Yeah, he um, meets... Uh, can, I, can I just say he, he meets uh, Patricia Arquette at some point? Well, before we get to I, that, I, I want to go okay. through the parade of things because I do have a point about their relationship. Okay, okay. Um, okay, we get, okay, go ahead. The most important recurring character is Popeye's Chicken. Of course. Which is like, I think, I guess that's the beginning of product placement in these Sandler films. Uh, I think that there's like, maybe like a couple other like minor examples, but this is one where it's like, Popeye's Chicken is like a plot point. 
Yeah, well, he literally says, wow, Popeye's chicken is fucking awesome. Yeah, he says it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And it's, like, the first thing he's, like, ever eaten. Like, that's the joke. He's never eaten food. Oh, yeah, but, you know what? Let me say that. That that was actually kind of, like, an interesting way to take that development. It's like, oh, he's never – these people have never been on Earth before because they're demons from hell. Yeah. So he has to, like, acclimate to human circumstances. That's, like, a compelling idea. <laughs> Well, it's, like, it's funny, you know, he doesn't know what sleep is, he doesn't understand anything, he's a dope. Yeah, so there's, yeah. there's a lot but of that's, comedy. That's like a fun fish-out-of-water yeah. setup. And there's a couple moments that are fine. Yeah. Look, I, I hated this movie, I'm trying here. All right. No, no, I'm, I, you know, we got Alan, Alan Covert finally shows up. Oh, yeah, of course. As the unemployed actor. <laughs> um, those, two, those two guys that are in all of these show up, Peter Dante... Yeah. And, um, Jonathan Logram were like, they're like, I don't know what they are. They're just like stoner, like metalheads. I think they're supposed to be like Satan worshippers, but it's never like explicitly. Well, they're like, I, I, rest. I think they are like, um, like heavy metal fans, you know, like okay. that you would, like people you would see in like the decline of Western civilization documentaries, <laughs> and. But then, like, they also, like, legit worship the devil. <laughs> Which is, like, a thing that was, like, branded by... Like, those songs were, like, accused of that, but, like, none of those people actually worship the devil. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was just, like, a, a weird extension of satanic panic. Um, and they're just kind of around for a lot of the movie. Yeah, we also get... Um, we start getting our parade of cameos. And the first one we get is Quentin Tarantino as the deacon... <laughs> Now, what did you, you think of... You make the Lord very nervous. You make the Lord very nervous. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the performance of Mr. Tarantino? Uh, this is his best performance. It might be, actually. I, honestly, I because he's so in tune with like the zaniness of the proceedings that it feels right. Like I don't. I think he's actually okay in Reservoir Dogs. I think everything else he's ever been in, he's, like, genuinely, like, not good. Well, I think he's um, good but... in his earlier films because he's always kind of playing the dopey guy. Yeah, yeah. And... Like, I love From Dust Till Dawn, and he makes it work, but I wouldn't say he's, like, good or even, like, that solid of an actor. He's it's just, just not. It's... He's, he is, of course, Quentin Tarantino, so it's not like he needs defending, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's but... very funny that he's playing George Clooney's brother. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. Um, also, just shout out to George Clooney for being a total scumbag in that movie. I, oh, I yeah. want more scumbag George Clooney. He's so I, good at that. I think he's too old to be scumbag George Clooney now. Like He, he could be a little scummy. There, there's a way to do it, but it's... He could play a villain. I, I don't think we'll see But I think, I think like, he's at that age where, like, you can only play, like, a Harvey Weinstein type. Oh, I know. <laughs> Well, he, he was the president in the Spy Kids films, I believe. At, at oh, least yeah. in the third one. He was a yeah, jerk, but, but that... he wasn't, like, evil, though. Yeah, yeah. And then... Um, There's that... Oh, God. Also, you... actually, Sylvester Stallone the whole time. Yeah, that that was... That moment is amazing <laughs> when he's doing the Stallone impression. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, now... The Spy Kids trilogy is, like, on par with... Uh, the Godfather. <laughs> um, I'm not also... sure if I'll buy that premise, but I do like the Spy Kid films. 
they're also as long as the first Godfather if you watch them back to back. Yeah, so. hey, um, <laughs> Stallone is very good in Spy Kids three. Oh yeah, no, he's incredible. That that's a very um, <laughs> wow. Uh, but but yeah, you're right about Tarantino being on the like wavelength of this film. Yeah, no, he like made me laugh in like his two minutes. Well, he might have the best dialogue. laugh line of the movie for me. Um, at the very end when like it's revealed like the world's gonna end or something. I don't even know what's happening by the end of the movie to be honest. I don't but, think they did. Like it's very unclear how we get from A to B there. But when it's like, up, oh, you're all gonna die and go to hell, and then they just cut to him in the audience, which is like it's also like a Satanist rave, and he was like supposed to be a preacher. <laughs> so it's like funny that like even he's he too has succumbed to the evil of the world. Yeah. And they just cut to him in the crowd in a neck brace. And he just goes, Holy shit, we really are gonna die. Yeah, and his delivery yeah. like, of that, it. That's funny. And then he immediately runs into, like, a pile of flames and dies. <laughs> and it cuts off, like, in the middle of him, like, screaming for his life. Yeah. Like, He's like, oh, I'm burning that? to death. I'm burning. And then just cuts away. <laughs> um, Tarantino has wanted to work with Sandler for a while, too. Yeah. So, this, I mean, well, he was almost the bear Jew from Inglourious Bastards, like you brought up. But, like, I, I really want to see that happen. He's only well, got one more shot. Yeah, one more shot. Um, but uh, I guess th- he worked on this movie specifically to try and make inroads about working with Sandler. Like, he was, like, kind of feeling him out. Like, that's part of the reason why he's in this. Mm-hmm. And um, I ge- and guess who showed up the day Tarantino was filming on the set of this movie? Oh, I, I Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas I... Anderson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> To ask to start to meet with Sandler about possibly working together. <laughs> and I guess Tarantino was like, what are you doing here? Yeah. <laughs> that would be a fun short film, just seeing them like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? I'm working on this movie. You're acting in this movie. <laughs> I was like, what do you, like, you know, Tarantino's like, oh, I got the, everyone was talking about how much of a genius I was for bringing back Travolta and then bringing back Robert Forrester. Now I'm going to show the world that Adam Sandler can be a real actor, and then Paul Thomas Anderson's like, I'm going to do it first. Yeah. <laughs> so, but hey. Um, I don't know. Also, yeah, you... there's, a, there's a really good um, Director's Guild podcast out there. You can just look up Director's Guild, and uh, Paul Thomas Anderson and Quentin Tarantino uh, discuss Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I would really recommend it. Oh, I did not hear that one. I gotta, I'm going to listen to that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's good, it's good. They're kind of just like... Those are each two, other the whole time. Those guys are on two different wavelengths, though. Oh no, they they totally are, but like, they're both just like you could tell they they actually get along too, which yeah. makes the conversations that much better. Like, I think I brought it up, before, but that's but like, like a Michael Mann and Ridley Scott one. Oh my god, about uh, <laughs> all the money in the world. Oh my god, and it's just like these two old senile old men. <laughs> Just like, like, like what'd you say? What? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like, I love them, but like, oh, no. maybe C- CNL is the wrong word, but you could tell it was like, they were just not clicking. Um, Ridley Scott was on one of those Hollywood reporter roundtables and like, he insulted a film and then like, forgot the director was like, sitting right next to him. I, was that the, the Revenant one, right? I can't remember. I can't remember which one, but he like, don't, he was like... He was dunking on some film, and then it was like, oh shit, like, and he, like, caught himself before he said it, but, like, <laughs> it was, uh, 
it's interesting. But like putting Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson together is like the dude and Walter. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, yeah, that's good. That's perfect. Um, wow, I gotta listen to that. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, now, now we're advertising other podcasts on this. Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, Much like Matt and I are like Paul Thomas Anderson and Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, exactly. So if you like that episode of that podcast, listen to the rest of ours. Although I don't think, I mean, like, I don't think either one of us is the mellow one, though. I think I have my moments, but that's usually when I'm just, like, tired after. You're definitely more mellow than me, but I'm always at, like, an 11. So I think, I think I have moments where I just like explode, but I think it says something. The know. only time I've ever been like mellow on this podcast, I was like on like serious pain medication. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what it took <laughs> to get me to calm down for a fucking hour podcast. <laughs> um, all right. Well, now we can talk about um, Patricia Arquette being in this film. Oh, yeah, Academy Award winning actress Patricia Arquette, who I'm a huge fan of. And uh, uh, I, I want to say, I'm, I'm giving this movie some shit, but on the on your Adam Sandler film scale, I I do think the production design is very good, and that goes along with the costuming. I think the costuming, yes, um, which isn't often discussed a lot in like any film circles, and I think it really should be, because costuming is a big part of characters as well as acting. Uh, the costuming in this is actually very distinct. Again, like the production, I don't know if it's very good, but there's a lot of it, and I can understand why certain characters uh, appear the way they do. And uh, I, I just thought her little, like, nerdy outfit was, like, very obvious, but, like, I don't know. The, the production design is what I'm really walking away with this movie from. I think... Which I did it, not it, expect. It... If we want to talk about costumes, I think when we when we finally go to her apartment later in the film and she's wearing like that like pink pajama outfit, and it's like, oh, that's like her. You like you totally get her character. Like, here's the weird thing: most of the women in these movies, I feel like, don't have a character in a lot of these Adam Sandler films, mm-hmm. or they more have a gimmick, and that's it. But like Patricia Arquette, we don't really learn a lot about her. No, yeah, on paper but, she's nothing, and that's that's again a she, total problem with these movies. She brings this weirdness to the character, where she, you kind of get the sense that this girl is like an odd person, <laughs> and like because they like it, like she almost felt like Patricia Arquette really sat down and asked like what type of woman would fall in love with little Nikki, <laughs> and she decided to play the character that way. Hmm. And I don't know, I, I was I was really endeared to her very odd performance of being, like, kind of playing a woman that feels like she's a little, like, not on, like, doesn't have an elevator that goes all the way to the top or something, you know? <laughs> I've never heard someone described that way. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, little loose in their shoes, you ever heard that one? Uh, that one I'm familiar with, yeah. Okay. But, you know, that, that totally fits the bill for her. But uh, yeah, like, she she she's a little out there. But I like I enjoyed it. It was just odd. I didn't expect that. I really I I can't even really put my finger on why I like this movie. <laughs> but I was like I was like vibing with it. I was like laughing. I didn't love it. Like I will not say it's like a great movie or anything. This isn't like a case where 
What was the movie I came on and like really loved that was shocking? Uh, uh, Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Oh yeah, I was actually I was about to say Hannibal because remember I liked Hannibal. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I, I still I don't know. I I still I don't know I, anything anymore. I probably liked Hannibal and Alien vs. Predator Requiem more than this. Um, probably. Yeah. And I, I liked, like, I... I, I, the I water... get liking those. So our most disastrous episode of this retrospective so far, The Waterboy. I probably like The Waterboy more than this. Oh, okay. I like The Waterboy much more than this. Okay, but hey, you, you didn't show that in the fucking episode. Well, I didn't realize Little you wanna, Nicky would be this, write, like, off my you, wavelength. You want to fucking write some wrongs right now, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> no, I definitely do not like Little Nicky, and I, I do not like The Waterboy, but... Um, both of them have very talented lead actresses. Uh, only Patricia Arquette had a huge thriving career after, though. Oh, that's a shame. Which is, yeah, which is, which is too bad. Um, George Wallace but, uh, is in this film. Oh, shit. For, like, right. one scene. <laughs> As the yeah, mayor. There's a lot of day players in this. Yeah, this is where the movie gets, like, a little weird and a little creepy, in my opinion. Um, which is, like, I'm, which is... Saying a lot, considering like the tit head guy, um, and the horny giant bird, and there's a lot of things in this movie, but yeah, the idea that um, uh, the the two brothers disguise themselves as the deacon and the mayor of New York, and they both go like, you know what? I've been thinking about it. Um, I've God's never done anything for me, so that must mean there's no God. <laughs> And they're, like, able to convince the crowd, like, off of, like, this one scene. And then the moment that you convince people there is no God, like, fucking anarchy breaks out. And people are just like, fuck it, we're gonna do evil shit now. (laughs) Which is, like, that's where, like, this movie gets, like, weirdly cynical. Yeah. Which is, like, this weird undercurrent that is in a lot of Adam Sandler films. Which is saying... you can tell... They're trying to like just streamline the narrative, mm-hmm. but it's it's taking such like a weighty idea or subject matter and like distilling it to something that doesn't feel like true to like its its actual nature. You know, I think it's more. It, I, I I think it's more that it's just the joke is that it goes bad so quickly. I mean, like yeah, but, like that's the joke, but I I do think that um a a big part of like why it feels so cynical. And I wouldn't even say that that's the wrong approach for this kind of movie. I, I actually think you could have gone somewhere with that. Again, like yeah. like the line where you need to keep the balance between good and evil is just like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's more um, that's more interesting than what the fuck happens in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like explore more of that. And I think you could like show society slowly deteriorating the longer the brothers stay above ground, you know? This could have been like um, that arc in the Sandman comic where Lucifer gives up hell. I've never read Sandman. Oh yeah, so. we talked about that. You should read it. Yeah. You would have you Sandman. would have laughed very hard right now when I made <laughs> okay. that comparison. Have you if you read that arc? Okay. Um there's a lot of weird talk about like unleashing the evil within <laughs> which becomes a thing. Ew. <laughs> I don't know why I made that noise. <laughs> The mayor changes the slogan of I love New York to I love... <laughs> Sorry. The mayor changes the slogan 
of from I Love New York to I Love Hookers. <laughs> and this is reported on the news. <laughs> Apologies to the sex workers out there. I know that they don't want to be called hookers anymore, which I understand, which I agree with. <laughs> but that's what they say in this movie. <coughs> it also lowers the drinking age to 10. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, I think it's more like the absurdest thing where it's like, oh, you know, like, this is ridiculous. This would, of course, never happen, but let's just mm-hmm. do it. Do we want to keep breaking down scenes? Well, we got to uh, talk about, um, we got to talk about the Harlem Globetrotters scene. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're appearance of my favorite, Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey, who... This might be the only Adam Sandler film he appears in. Um, because... I believe so. At this point, he's working with the Happy Madison Company to develop his project, The Master of Disguise. Everyone remembers that film. And you know what? Here's my here's my play. Um, oh my I don't God. know if this is true, but I've heard this story. That that movie was in production... When 9-11 happened. And they were filming the Turtle Man scene in <laughs> The Master of Disguise the day, <laughs> the day after 9-11. And they held a moment of silence on the set right before filming. So him in the Turtle Man costume. <laughs> remembering the victims of 9-11. That might be bullshit, but I felt the need to bring it up. <laughs> yeah, but now the image is in my head, and yeah. that's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Now, that makes the movie worth it. You don't like him as a pistachio disguise? <laughs> <laughs> the character of the Master of Disguise is named Pistachio Disguise. <laughs> yeah, of course. He disguised himself as Quint from Jaws. Oh yeah, see you love Jaws. That that's makes a, it good. That's actually a funny scene. <laughs> Play that clip right now. Uh, no, because YouTube will fuck me. <laughs> yeah, well, don't put it in the YouTube version. Put it on the SoundCloud version because you just need to okay. hear it. You just need to hear okay. he talks gibberish <laughs> in the Quint voice. It's pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> it's like how are you? They're like what? He's like I'm talking about a great white. <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, yeah, he's a referee that is deliberately fucking up the Harlem Globetrotters game, and the crowd is so angered by this they're on the verge of starting a riot. <laughs> the city is gonna riot unless this can be turned around. <laughs> and then Adam Sandler gets to show off his basketball prowess. Yep. And I don't really care about that part. I just like the fact that it's like the Har- they're making the Harlem Globetrotters lose to the Washington Generals. And that's enough to like put the city into a frenzy. <laughs> well, I just like this because it reminded me of Space Jam. Not that I even oh, like hey. Space Jam, but that's the vibe I got. You know, they never really explain if they're possessing the bodies of these people or if they're like 
if these are like fake bodies that they're inhabiting. I think it's supposed to be that they're possessing people. There's the part but where he, I, he pulls his real form out of the dude's nose in one scene. Mm-hmm. And little Nicky climbs out of that one dude's mouth. But then like there's one scene where he just turns into the cardinal. Also, they're always they're, yeah, they always do that the reveal to be like, oh, this is how they're possessed. Great visual storytelling. Um, they show they're like they're in their bare feet and there's like smoke coming off their feet. Um, which I think at first was because they were in a church, but then it just because it becomes a thing. <laughs> I don't know what was happening there. There are no rules to like any of like the religious fantasy elements to this. Mm. I think that that's like a big problem. So like by the end where it's just throwing the most ridiculous shit at you, it's like impossible to keep up with, you know, there's no context for anything happening on screen right now. You're just pulling stuff out of a bag. Uh, Like there's a bit where little Nikki gets like this magical orb and it's just, there's never, like... Oh, yeah. Any solid, like, concrete explanation God, for... God gave what... it to someone who gives it to him. Yeah, and then uh, it just... It, it it spawns Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. Because um, that's what he needed at that moment. That's a very because funny... Because God said he knows what, what to do when the time is right. Yeah, although God does not appear in this film. No. Missed but, opportunity. Uh, Spoon does. Oh, that's who Norm should have been. Norm His should have mother? been God. No, God. Oh. <laughs> you <Okay>. idiot. <laughs> Reese Witherspoon. I love Reese Witherspoon. But she's uh, actually oh kind God, of Norm. fun in this. She's doing like her Elle Woods thing. Yeah, yeah. She she's she's terrific. Um, Norm Macdonald's God though. That's that's a good idea. We'll just skip to that. Fuck it. Um, she's Nikki's mother. Nikki's half angel. Um. He ends up in heaven because he sacrifices his life at one point. And uh, all the angels in heaven are kind of like ditzy, like women, kind of. No, oh, yeah, there's some weird gender politics it's a, on it's, play here. It's weird, but it's also like, maybe if you maybe if you live in heaven, you would just be ditzy. Like, because what the fuck are you going to worry about? nothing to worry about because you're in yeah. heaven. Yeah, you're just having fun. Or it's like that thing okay. where Elle Woods is ditzy, but she's also like a very smart person yeah what like it's hard yeah <laughs> legally blonde is a great film yeah Holds classic up. classic movie mm-hmm. great uh, great film should have won an oscar for that performance i don't know if you're being sarcastic but i, I wouldn't like be i am not with that i am not okay. i would have at least like a nomination you know yeah yeah um, or, but like you know if she pulled like a marissa tomei when she won for my cousin um, Nikki. My cousin Nikki. What's that movie called? My cousin Vinny. Vinny. I like totally was like my. I wanted to say Vicky for some reason. I'm like it's not Vicky. And I'm like Nikki. What the fuck? Like, oh yeah, Vinny. <laughs> no, my cousin Vinny. Yeah, yeah. That's a that movie's actually fine. It's it's good. It's good. She, She's she deserved that Oscar. Fuck him. Clint Howard's in this in an unfortunate role. I like Clint Howard. Yeah, there's a bit of a like cross-dressing joke in this movie. Oh, there's a there's a lot of that in in these happy 
the Madison films, unfortunately. Although, uh, although he's very nice to the person, little Nicky is, <laughs> which is like, which is that weird like thing where like they bring people in and it's like, oh my god, they're gay. That's so funny. And it's like, oh no, that guy dresses in women's clothing. That's so funny. But then they're like, all right, see you later. <laughs> like. Yeah, I, I still are... don't know how they, like, what the intention was other than, isn't that funny because they're different? Yeah. And it's like... it's weird, but it's also then it tries to be like, okay, that, but that person's a nice person, kind of. <laughs> I don't know. It's so, like, the, the politics of that are always so strange. Yeah. I mean, I, I think unfortunately... it's, it's obviously, like, more conservative just because, like, Right off oh, the definitely. bat, it's like, isn't that funny that this person well, is different? Well, I mean, because, like, the, the only two representations of any sort of, like, cross-dressing person or, like, non-binary person, it's just, like, they're either, like, a deceiver and a crazy killer or the, the butt of a joke. Yeah. Like that; those are like the dominant images for like the next twenty years of cinema. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> which you know got a lot of work to do. People, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lot, although people are su- I'm su- surprisingly more people than I expected in my life are more receptive than I would have ma- have imagined. Isn't so, that a nice surprise? It always is. I think it's. Just, I think. Yeah. Like, we exhausted ourselves over the gay marriage fight that everyone kind of woke up at some point being like, wait, who gives a shit? Yeah. So. Like, it went from, like, how am I going to explain this to my kids to, like, well, if that's what they know, then that's probably okay. And I'm not saying it's good here, but fuck, man, England seems, like, out of control with, like, the anti-trans shit. Like, it's, like, it's, like, it seems so much worse over there, but maybe I'm just not paying attention to it here. I think it's getting better. I think, yeah. Like it's, it's, it's always getting a little better, but, like, circumstances might not be, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, it's it's awful. It fucking pisses me off. Fucking people. I'm trying to yeah. fuck up, trying to fuck up people's lives. Fuck all of this. You know, if you, if you want to help trans people, maybe talk to trans people. Just gonna throw that one out there. I just love, don't, I, don't don't be an asshole. I think. Well, I, I just love that this weird thing that this country does, where it's like, well, we can't listen to women when it comes to women's issues. They're biased, <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> no, they're the ones who know what the problem is. <laughs> Fucking people. Um, Nikki gets framed as a mass murderer, <laughs> and this is actually I actually laughed really hard at this when they just cut to. A scene from Scarface with Nikki's face on Tony Montana shooting up the place as evidence that he's a mass murderer. Yeah, a, was, uh, okay. This movie predicted deep fakes. <laughs> also, well, there is a moment. Oh my god, there was a moment where um, I did like I like was laughing so hard I couldn't breathe. <laughs> um. So, like, like people keep getting worse for whatever reason. I don't know the logic of it, but everyone's getting more evil. Um, we cut to Regis Philbin for no reason. <laughs> and he starts talking about that he, like, beat a man to death with, like, a crowbar or something. And 
they just cut to this woman in the audience and he just goes, What's happened to you, Regis? <laughs> that was pretty funny. Okay, you know what I actually did like? The running gag where every time Nikki uh like is in front of a train or something, he gets hit. He keeps getting run over by shit oh, yeah, and dying. That's, that's funny. And getting tossed back to hell and has to keep crawling out of the same part of the subway system. I don't know. That that was like kind of clever. I liked um I like how he really thinks the deep south joke is funny. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, that was okay. I don't know why. Just like he can't like stop himself laughing at that joke. Um after the Scarface scene, I literally have written down some bullshit happens. Well, that's kind of... Yeah, that's what happens, some bullshit. Oh, um, oh, at one point, Nikki has to die to go back to hell to get something. And Alan Covert's character says, I've always wanted to kill someone. <laughs> and then they cut to him just drowning Nikki in a bathtub. <laughs> and he's, like, crying, but then he yells, Damn you, Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Because Kevin Spacey keeps stealing all the roles he wants. <laughs> and that scene has uh, different connotations different, now, I guess. But that hard cut from him being, like, excited to murder Nikki to, like, <laughs> being on, like, the verge of a breakdown while he's doing it. That's pretty funny. <laughs> See, I found some good jokes in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, some, there's always some stuff sprinkled in with an Adam Sandler but, film. Up, up to this point. There might be one or two things later where we're just like, no. But um, um, Like I mentioned earlier, Carl Weathers returns as Chubbs. Mm-hmm. Um, he's in heaven. He's a dance instructor in heaven, which I find... I actually kind of like that note that it's like he's not a golfer in heaven. In heaven, he's a <laughs> dance instructor. Where it's like maybe if you lived in paradise, you would realize like, oh no, if I actually could do whatever I wanted, it wouldn't be what I devoted my entire life to. Yeah, it would be anything. <laughs> you know, it would be like, wow, like maybe I would want to be a dance instructor. <laughs> <laughs> and, um... Because, as you remember, at the, the last time we saw Chubbs was at the end of Happy Gilmore because he was in heaven because he fell out a window. And he was in heaven with the one-eyed alligator and Abe Lincoln. <laughs> that that image is eternal. <laughs> yes, it's fantastic. Oh my yeah, god, someone edited that same... to me. The end of Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> okay, so we're on the same page. Ray, Ray Chubbs. <laughs> I wouldn't hate that. There's also, um, I know I'm just listing jokes off to try and like make somewhat of an argument to be like why I enjoyed this movie. <laughs> no, no, keep I, going, keep going. We got but uh, I... I also really laughed when um, the angels are like, we can see anything from up here. And then they turn on the thing. It's like, oh, no, that's just an episode of Felicity. And they're like, oh, my God, Felicity's so good. Have you watched Felicity? And Nikki just says, like, really directly, he's like, I haven't seen it, but I've heard good things. <laughs> then a bunch of shit happens. Uh, they get into a fight with the last brother who's, like, making hell on earth. But also, somehow, people have stopped believing in hell, even though, like, a literal, like, thing from hell has shown up. Yeah, it's a little unclear. It's yeah. like, there was a lack of faith, and then the lack of faith brought about, or is bringing about the end of the world, but then 
because they're seeing it, wouldn't that reignite their faith? I don't know. Yeah, it was. It, it, I I was very lost on what was happening there. Um, what? All right, I can't remember why this happened, but at one point. They just bring out Henry Winkler, and then they go, Henry Winkler, covered in bees, and he gets attacked <laughs> by bees. Why did that happen? Okay, because the brother, Adrian, uh, played by Rice Iphens, was like, oh, you're all going to die, right? And that's what Quentin Tarantino's like, holy shit, we are going to die. And so he's like, but for entertainment, I will uh, bring out Henry Winkler, and everyone's like, applause is gay. Oh, all right. He says, covered in bees. <laughs> he just gets attacked by, like, millions of bees. That was funny. Oh, that was a little funny. No, you know what? It's actually really funny. Uh, hmm. Later, when when Adam Sandler needs to die again, he's like, well, if I die, I'll just go back to heaven. And then they're like, well, not if you do something bad first. Oh, yeah. And then uh, the Rob Snyder cameo. He's like, cover Henry Winkler and more bees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then they just look at each other, and Henry Winkler's like, uh. and he's like, sorry, Henry. <laughs> and, then, and then Patricia Arquette has to smash him over the head with a rock. Oh, yeah, that was pretty funny. Like, what the fuck is the order of those like a, sequences? Yeah. Like, tr- describing that scene out of context is funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, because before that, that's the showdown with the brothers. They all end up in the flask together. Oh, yeah. And then... We didn't even reason. explain the flask. Oh, you know what? It doesn't matter. Which, that, that, that's so weird. If you want to talk about shit not adding up, the, his father just goes like, use this to trap them. Yeah. <laughs> and just hands it to him. It's like, why do you have this? <laughs> but, like, I did like when they're fighting and it's just like a little flask, like, boing, boing, like, bouncing around. I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. Kind well, of I, like, I like the crowd, like, moving around it. Yeah, <laughs> and then um, oh, I like they, the Popeyes finally... the 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 culmination of the Popeyes chicken gag, where he wins over all the demons by giving them Popeyes chicken, <laughs> and then the one guy is like, "We'll defeat." They'll be like, "We'll defeat you." The power of love is stronger, and the one guy goes, "It's true," and then he just blows him up. <laughs> <laughs> the um. But then the final showdown with uh, Little Nicky and his brother Adrian, played by Rice Iphens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to get the name right before the episode's over. Yeah, keep, keep reminding people that you're – try like all the different ways you could pronounce it and then someone comment telling us which one was right. Riss Iphans. Riss Iphans. Riss Iphans as Adrian. Robin, Robin to a bat. And then Adam Sandler pulls out the orb he got from God that his mother gave to him. Oh, yeah. And he was like, oh, I know what to do now. And then Ozzy Osbourne shows up and bites the bat's head off because he did that one time. <laughs> he did so that in real life once. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny now because it's in a movie because we all know that happened. Yeah, that'll age well. Yep. I, I, I want I get... someone – I feel like like Dan. Dan, if you're listening to this one, um, I, I, I'm curious if you under – like know – what happened there? Because younger audiences are going to have, like, no idea what the fuck that was about. Like, if you watch this, I think younger audiences might have the same reaction you do, Matt. And just, mm. like, get a kick out of it because there's, like... The absurdity. Like, this is an insane film. Yeah. Well, the things of these movies that I think age the worst in all cases are the celebrity cameos. Not when the celebrity is, like, playing someone, but when it's just, like... Oh hey, it's Dan Marino. 
Like, that's uh-huh. the stuff. Like, the only one I really laughed at was Regis Philbin <laughs> and Henry Winkler. Like, because those guys are immortal. But, um... Yeah, well, even apart from that, like, their setup gags are just, like, genuinely kind of funny. Well, Regis is one... Else, the gag is their personality. Yeah, I guess you're right. But, like, the Regis one, like, has no connection to anything happening in the film. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like they just were like, we need one more cameo. And it's like, just have Regis Philbin describe clubbing someone to death. <laughs> and then the movie ends. Uh, Nikki saves his dad, Harvey Keitel, who has been falling apart slowly this entire film. Mm. And at one point, uh, I, this was a little funny too, where uh, uh, Harvey Keitel has trouble hearing him because his ears fell off. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's Looney Tunes. That's yeah. literally like a Looney Tunes gag. You know, and then by the end, he's literally just like a pair of lips, like in a puddle, and then he gets yeah. reformed. Like I was like, okay, the effect looks like the the one from Blade. If anyone's seen the original Blade film, oh yes, where he yes. cuts Deacon Frost in half, and then he gets like the bad CGI blood reconnecting him. <laughs> like it looks just like that, except Blade is like one of the best movies ever. There's a scene where Nikki turns into like a million spiders. That's really weird. Oh yeah, yeah. I totally forgot that happened. <laughs> This movie's so odd. Yeah, um, I I did not like this. I'll never watch this again. Well, I, I gotta I'll have talk... fun describing it to people. Before we end it, um, this movie has one of the most inexplicable choices for ending a film, where we get a, like a tacked on thing, where it's like Nikki goes back to Earth and um, starts dating um, Valerie Patricia Arquette's character, and they have a child together, who's like is a quarter demon a quarter angel and, like, half human. And so, like, that's, like, you know, like, of course, yeah, end it like that. But then there's a weird, like, where are they now, like, ending. <laughs> like, <laughs> for characters, like, that aren't that deep and we don't really care that much about. <laughs> like, it wasn't an ensemble film. So. Yeah, but it, but for some reason, like, the, like, the, like, the inexplicable, like, I don't even know, like, just the, the fact that someone thought to do that, I like, made me laugh. Like, I couldn't tell if it was sincere or if it was meant to be a joke. <laughs> like, it almost feels like a way where it was like, we have these leftover jokes and we just want to throw them in there somehow. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But, uh, it, it was just like, it's like a parade of just like the last few jokes of the film. And, like, it was like, they had some of the ugliest children ever. Like, because the dog marries a rat, and then the tit man marries a gorilla, and it's like, we really want to know what happens to him. And they, they, there's a weird part where they mention that Harvey Keitel and Reese Witherspoon tried to make it work again, but it didn't. And that Harvey Keitel's been seeing the Blair Witch. And then there's a nice little moment where it's like uh, Reese Witherspoon's character said, like, she fell in love immediately fell in love with her new fitness instructor, Chris Farley. So I was like, oh, that's, you know, it's kind of sweet. But it's just, like, weird. Yeah, this whole movie's fucking weird. Uh, but then the best I, one, I, I'm sorry, the best one oh are that the two fucking idiot metalheads. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. They, they got a bunch of money at some point in the movie, and they used it to buy... Um, well, it was someone's plane, and like they stocked it with like booze and drugs and shit. 
but they forgot to hire a pilot, so they died shortly after takeoff. <laughs> <laughs> and then ended up in hell, but they're, like, happy there because they're Nikki's friends. It's like, what the, what? <laughs> and that's the note they end the movie on. They end that, that happens after the touching Chris Farley reference. Like, you know, it would have been, like, sweet to end with the Chris Farley thing. And then it's like, nope, the two idiot characters died in a fiery plane crash. I recommend Little Nicky. I don't. Fuck it. I I, I guess I, I have to agree with Roger Ebert. Best performance. I, I don't. Yet. Oh, my God. No, the best Sandler movie to date. He didn't say best performance. He couldn't go that far. Um, I wouldn't go that far. Billy Madison is still the one that's, like way ahead but um yeah, i don't um, I, don't, no, I, enjoy- I, I think bulletproof is the one where he not not the best movie that i want to make that clear mm. right off the bat uh but where he starts showing like more range yeah um, i would uh, that, i would that's agree still with the that. one for me that like wedding singer. yeah well wedding singer just as a whole is my favorite of this era like by far <laughs> mm. i get that that's it's yeah it's definitely the nicest it's far and away the least obnoxious yeah. Although Billy Madison, that one just that that one like is really growing on me. Yeah, yeah. Just for like the absurdity elements, it's very surreal at times. Well, Billy Madison will be the one that like I will actually watch later in my life. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to most of these, um, where it's like I will probably look up clips from Little Nicky on YouTube if you can get them. This is actually a movie that like. I went when I went and I bought a bunch of these Adam Sandler movies for this uh, retrospective because you can get them for like a dollar in some bargain bins. Um, this was the one I couldn't find, so I had to like rent it because I think people have like buried this movie. Yeah, I can't imagine why. But I, I think I think the the people I think its reputation as like the worst Sandler film is a little misplaced. Although it might be, let me see. Is it the worst one? Other than Going Overboard, is it the worst one I've watched so far? I mean, it might be, actually. It might, like, of these group, it might be the worst. Other than it's Going Overboard. It's definitely my least favorite. Uh, going I, Overboard, I, I, I don't, like, despise. It's just very bad. Yeah, I, I, I found Going Overboard, like, an aggressive movie to watch. And it was, like, fucking barely 90 minutes. Yeah, well, that's Little Nicky. Yeah, I guess I just know where this is going. You know, like, I know it's going to get so much worse. So, like, the fact that I watched the movie and was able able to laugh at least a few times. Dude. Is it? Dude, Grown Ups. Grown Ups is very bad. Grown Ups is going to hurt so much more because, like, all those dudes are, like, talented enough that you feel like they should be able to accidentally make a good movie. Uh, Maybe you're right. But, like... not to spoil it, but the next Adam Sandler one, I not the worst thing to revisit. Um, I have weird thoughts on Mr. Deeds. Well, everyone, that was Little Nicky. God bless America. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, where can the people find you? I'm at Emperor OT1 at whatever, fuck it. I don't, you know where I'm at. Oh, the link down below. All you the know dis- who I am. God damn it! 
like and subscribe. If you didn't like this, like and subscribe anyways because you might find something you do like. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Check out the Patreon, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes. We've been professionally unprofessional. Thank you.